Welcome to our very special and anticipated Friday episode of Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And we are delighted to welcome back one final time two men who have tasted the darkness of Gotham and have lived to tell the tale. Niall and John of Batminute. Batminute in the house. Or did we live to tell the tale? <laughs> <laughs> Like a oh. fine elderberry syrup. They've tasted <laughs> the darkness. Don't get me started. And come back. <laughs> what does it taste like? Molly to do our intros, John. Like for every episode to come in to big us up. Because instead of me and you just been like, hey, maybe it's us again. Hey, whatever. I would not be against that. Yay! Oh my God, I'd love that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so for today's episode, we are covering minute 72 of The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, Pinhead's cousin Fornicus gets mm. real with Dana. That sounded a bit too sexy, though. (laughs) So Fornicus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking about something that I don't care at all about, but that is in the zeitgeist, is that the the third movie of, what's it called? The one that's out right now that's supposed to be like very light bondage. Fifty Shades. And I was thinking of this guy. I haven't seen any of those, but yeah. I've heard that's very tame. And I was just thinking about <laughs> if Fornicus popped in there. And how... Let me tell you, if, if anyone listening actually likes Fifty Shades, do yourself a favor and watch Secretary. That's that's the real version. Man. To me, yes. that is yes. a beautiful romantic movie. And people think I'm crazy when I say that. No, oh, God. It is. No, it's one I of the most romantic 100%. movies there is. Because it's these two outcasts who find each other. And they love each other. And it's true and it's real. And they mm. accept each other. So watch that, everyone. Mm. <laughs> yes, I concur. I concur. I I do find it to be quite romantic. I think the most uncomfortable thing related to that movie was simply that I was <laughs> a secretary or really I was a, a an assistant, but you could say secretary. I did some typing and filing for someone who was a male and who was not who's very uncomfortable with sexuality in general and kind of a kind of a nerd sort of he's a great guy but anyways i remember going out to a meal with him and him mentioning uh, our third party our friend who was kind of uh, introduced us started <laughs> saying like oh have you guys seen secretary yet and he started saying how oh, much God. he liked it and i started saying how much i liked it and all of a sudden I thought, Ooh, <laughs> let's change the subject this is no. so a little weird <laughs> was it was it james spader you were working for james spader <laughs> I, guess, though, I, I don't think james spader if would only. be uncomfortable about <laughs> any of that i think he'd be no he strikes me as the type who would be like oh Oh, let's no, talk about no, it. No, <laughs> no, Even when you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm really surprised, though, that like, because the, the fact that he's called Fornicus is hilarious to me. And it's a, it's, a, it's shocking. It's never, I thought it's never mentioned in the movie that that's what he's called. <laughs> I would, if I came up with that name, I would go I would go out of my way to make sure that it was at least mm-hmm. said by somebody. Like Hadley or Citizen would have to say, oh, yeah, Fornicus. Just to, yeah. just so the joke was put across to people, because so many people who saw this movie casually would never know that that joke was there. And it's like that's a good joke. You should should be, should have picked it up more. Do you want it on the back on his back <laughs> like a football shirt? Yes, or something? Exactly. Fornicus number one. <laughs> it's actually I would say it's a better name than Pinhead, which is who he's based on. Because Pinhead, it doesn't suit that character at all. Besides the fact that well, what he's got nails yes. in his head, so they're not pins. They're not pins. No. <laughs> And he's not really the type of guy who would go around using phrases like pinhead. So it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense to me. But they hey, they're stuck with it now for like mm-hmm. thirty years. So I guess there's no going back. Maybe that's why he's so angry and he keeps coming back. He just doesn't yeah. want to be called pinhead anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just yeah. wants a formal. He just wants a real name, like a real boy. You know. But, uh, have you? Are you guys? Are you all familiar with the? The Hellraiser series, you know, not in its entirety because I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Uh, but. <laughs> I am not familiar with it to any degree whatsoever. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, man. Well, you're missing out. And I've only uh, seen the first one and only fairly recently. So I'm, you know, I'm familiar with the, the with Pinhead. 
And I think I mentioned in another minute that we actually have one of these, um, you know, the boxes, oh, the, the the lament configuration oh. box from Hellraiser here. Uh, my husband had it because he's the kind of person that has those kind of interesting little. Is it one you can actually do the uh, do the puzzles with? Because I know you can get ones that are just like Rubik's cubes, but then the one in the film has a lot of little nifty little maneuvers with it and stuff. That's a good question. It's not right in front of me or i'd check that out but perhaps i can go investigate it's somewhere oh, next to that yes. borg oh. head <laughs> mug <laughs> mm. yeah, the borg's got the cubes as well yeah. it's tying into this whole week and the weekend cubes they got yep. the, the <laughs> yeah the box now, borg. Hey. i'm always so, on yeah. board for the borg of course, in Batman, we got Mayor Borg. Yeah. What the hell's going on? It's, it's all, all connected. <laughs> yes. I'd love to hear more about anybody's experience with, with the, the Hellraiser movies. I don't know, Molly, did you watch Hellraiser? Or? I've, I saw the first one. Um, now that I think back on it, I did see the first one. Uh, I've seen parts of the second, but I, I, and I, and I apologize. I can't remember if it was, which one of you had mentioned pinhead in space. And yeah. I was like, what? They did this in space. Oh you yeah. Know? Cause yeah, you guys mentioned like, Oh, pin, joking about pinhead in space. Hellraiser four mm -hmm. has pinhead in space, but the hell, like, no. cause like, yeah, I've, I've, I've tried, I've dabbled in like Hellraiser. Not in terms of actually getting <laughs> getting the box and uh, seeing what it took me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> most of the major horror franchises, like I'll, I've made a point of like, no, I'll try all of them. And Hellraiser is a tough, tough Jesus. one to get through because they're still making them. They're still, mm. but this they're doing it. There's one that just came out, like literally a couple of weeks ago. They had mm. a like the ninth one or whatever, whatever number they're on now. But it didn't even get the guy to return as pinhead for the last two because he's opted out because they're that bad he's um because they're only making them now to retain the rights much you know like the mm. you know that rule they have of like with the um, fantastic four yeah where like you have to make mm. one every so often but i think you had to do that with fantastic <laughs> four it's like you better crank out another one otherwise you're right. gonna lose the rights and uh yeah hillary's mm. like, they've been doing that for i think they've been trying to remake the first one for years but they've not got things slotted into place. And so they've had to make like really terrible sequels that even Doug Bradley, the guy who plays Pinhead, a guy who appeared in Wrong Turn 5, which is like the worst film ever made. He's turning up his nose and going, oh, no way. Hellraiser is like the first one's great. Uh, in my opinion, it's very cheesy soap opera. Like it's a full-blown cheesy soap opera that happens to be a really gory horror film. And the uh, second one's really overly bombastic and stupid. But it's very entertaining. And it's got some amazing visuals. Like they really go to town with the level of imagination. <laughs> uh, the third one's pretty bad, and You're the fourth one this. is a fucking dumpster <laughs> fire. And then after that, <laughs> it kind of goes off after that. <laughs> like it's really you're 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 in bad territory after uh, pretty much after I the mean, second. I mean, I've never movie. seen any of them, but I know one thing about the character that annoys me. Because to me, looking mm. at it, it's a bit like Palpatine in Star Wars, right? Looking at the character, I get the impression he's like an ancient evil. Mm. Like he's been around for a yeah, millennia man. or something. But you find out in Hellraiser, apparently, oh, no, he's just some guy from World War I. It's like, that's, yeah, that doesn't yeah, work. What? A World War I <laughs> captain, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's the thing, because, again, the guy delved in like fairly deep in Hellraiser for, for like a little while. Like I read like the original book, like the Hellbound Heart that it's based on, that the Clive Barker wrote, and hmm. it's one of those things like uh, you know, much like you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, where like Jack Sparrow was just a character and an ensemble piece, and then everyone really loved him, so they bigged him up for all the sequels. And the first Hellraiser, like as you guys have seen it, like the uh, the Cenobites, they're a team. Pinhead's the one who may get more lines, but it's like him mm -hmm. and the female. A character is just referred to as the female son of mine, mm -hmm. which is like, you can't even give her a name? Jesus Christ, come on, guys. <laughs> and um, yeah, you get this vibe of like, in the Hellbound Heart, that says like, yeah, they're part of a religious order. I think it's the Order of the Gash, that's what they call them. And, oh, um, wow. Uh, they show up and he's not referred to as Pinhead. It's just like they mention, it's supposed to be that they've, they've been mutilated so badly that you can't even tell which one's male, which one's female. It's like they've been experimenting on themselves so much that they've kind of lost any appearance of gender 
which is a thing that doesn't come across in the movie no. at all. Like you know exactly which one's which. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the help like, you you do get that vibe that like oh it's supposed to be like these immortal beings and even the first one they say like oh what are you and he's like oh tra- travelers from another world and all this kind of stuff and then uh yeah they decided to write in a backstory in the beginning of the Ugh. second one i was like no he's he's, he's a guy he's just some guy and- <laughs> like a sort of a hell demon who rules yeah. like a, a kingdom in hell or something no it's just a guy okay it's <laughs> after the the first one as well they kind of lose a lot of the the thing that's really emphasized in the book and I thought was the most sort of intriguing element is that, you know, the Cenobites are supposed to be like sadomasochists, extremists. Like they're really, and they, they, they use it in the marketing for the first movie and everyone would have said like, you know, demons to some, angels to others. And he says it in the first movie. When she asks, she's like, oh, who are you? And they go, demons to some, angels to... You're supposed to get the vibe of like, people seek out this box and they will be entered into, you know, mm-hmm. carnal experiences that we'll never have experienced before. It's like the next level of something. So there's always this set of illusion that like some people might be getting off on what the Cenobites are doing to them. But then in the first one, you kind of get mm-hmm. it. Although I don't actually like the guy, like Doug Bradley, the way he plays Pinhead, he plays him very like, bah, 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 bah. and like, I thought, should he not be a bit, more, a bit more like kind of pervy and a bit sort of like sensual in his way of speaking and stuff. Cause everything about him, he's, he's just there to get off. Like that's his whole deal is uh, he's like coming to like guys, dancing into a swingers party it's like hey everyone how's it going <laughs> but, um, but like yeah after that then like you get a bit of it in the first movie and then it just becomes throughout the franchise like no he's just just torture that's all they, all they uh, do is torture you boring. and they, they lose that intriguing element of like well it's, these beings are supposed to have been that they've, they've gone so extreme in their S&M that they can't even tell the difference between pleasure and pain anymore and it's supposed to be you know an s and is a thing it's supposed to be but pain and pleasure mm-hmm. but the, they, yeah the, the the film franchise of hellraiser just very much like, no torture they got hooks and they, uh, they, they tear you apart and that's all that's their whole way deal, to you know? ruin it <laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised mm. to hear that, that you two haven't like seen it that much though because although i haven't i find i'm the odd one out here maybe it's a, a us uk thing everyone i know who's into film has seen those movies even the crap ones like <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm I'm the exception. I'm the weird one. Like everyone's like, oh, why why haven't you watched it? It looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just feel like there's, you know, there's like everybody. I have certain things I've seen hundreds of times, and then other ones that I just never. Yeah, I saw the first one, like I said, fairly recently, and probably see the second one eventually. But there's other movies that I've you know, just keep going back to and mm. watch over and over and over again. And they're like comfort food or something like Ed Wood. I've seen a, a bunch yes. because I just love mm. that movie and can just kind of live in that in in that environment and just so many great things. So, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Interesting. How about you, Molly? Yeah. I, I don't know why I never I did have a series uh, a run in my teens where I was like, give me the shittiest horror movies ever. I want to see them all, you know, like, si- and actually this wasn't that bad. Silent Night, Deadly Night oh, or Jack great Frost, movie. Or, <laughs> you know, some of those, uh, you, know. <laughs> you know, I got into like the Jason flicks, mm. you know, the first nightmare on Elm street is a real classic. So I just never, I never like got, you know, balls deep, so to speak, in in Hellraiser for whatever reason. Um, and, and Halloween's the same way. I saw, I think, one of the Halloweens, and I was kind of like, meh. Just I, I always just gravitated towards. I think Jason being a, a far more frightening character to me because he's he's just like big and and un, and silent and unstoppable and kind of that you know Matthew Buckner way. Mm. But yeah, I mean, because I do dig that whole like shiny black PVC you know, Matrixy, you know, mixed up with the, you know, I dig the aesthetic of it. Phantasm, though. I don't know if you guys ever saw oh, Phantasm. Oh, yeah. That scared the shit out of me as a little kid. Oh, my God. Frightening and, you know, shit you shouldn't see as a nine-year-old. But yeah, Phantasm 2 was just like horrific to me. So I think those were kind of the benchmarks for me of, you know, either really cheesy horror or truly, quote unquote, frightening shit. Mm. Well, the, the, there's a weird jump between phantasm and phantasm too for me because those those first two movies are both great in their own right but the first one's like a really 
borderline kind of surrealist art movie. Like mm. it doesn't, it feels like it's mm. like it's very blatantly like subtextually about grief and stuff like that. It's all about this kid who's lost his brother mm. and whatnot. And it's uh, mm-hmm. like there's a real strangeness about it that's so much like this is an art house film. And then the second one's like, full mm. of, no, it's like, it's like between First Blood and Rambo too. The first one was like, no, we got mm. fucking, uh, this guy's got come in. He's got four shotguns taped together. Let's go take down this guy. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and that's got its place as well. It's just like, where the fuck did this come from? From Phantasm 1. This doesn't make any sense that this is the follow-up. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I just remember like the mortuary scenes of like the old guy dying and them, you know, embalming him and you know, one of the characters like waking up, but he was like next to him and had his mouth sewed shut. And that shit was just, you know, just horrifying to me as a kid. And then I don't know if you guys are like killer, killer robots. Is that part of your, you know, in that Terminator sort of way, which is not really a oh. horror movie per se, but it has that really like, I, I still feel like it has that horror element to it because again, it's this, this cold creature that cannot be reasoned with as unstoppable. I'd say the first Terminator is a horror movie. I, that's why I like it. It's mm. terrifying. I mean, the second movie is one of the best action movies ever, but it's not that scary. That first mm. one, to this day, is terrifying. You, you can't stop him. You <laughs> cannot. He won't stop. Now, I was just looking at like what other movies came out in 1987, which is when Hellraiser came out, because I always think that's a good, oh, well, if I wasn't watching that. You know, what was I watching? And I definitely see like the list here. Um, like I missed Predator, but I saw The Lost mm. Boys. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Woo! <laughs> I saw Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. I'm, I think I, I oh. missed Lethal Weapon and Dirty <laughs> Dancing. I didn't see that for years. Ah, you don't oh. need to watch Dirty Dancing. The others are all fine. I missed Hellraiser, but I saw <laughs> The Princess Bride. I missed Batman yes. Not oh. Included, but I saw yeah, Full yeah. Metal Jacket. I saw The Witches of Eastwick, Evil Dead 2. I didn't see mm. Can't Buy Me Love or Adventures in Babysitting, but I definitely saw Fatal Attraction for some reason. Uh, I didn't <laughs> see The Running Man or Masters of the Universe, but I definitely saw Planes, Trains, oh. and Automobiles. Well, I also saw <laughs> Angel Heart and oh, Near yeah. Dark. I mean, those are some oh, really great, creepy. Yeah. Uh, Empire of the Sun, um, Raising Arizona. Mm. Oh, and, yep. yeah. I don't know because I know 87 because that's the year I was born. Mm. So I was kind of like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I wonder what films are out with the year I was born. One of the, the big one that always sticks out to me is. Uh, with nail and I, oh yeah, which maybe it's not as big in America, but like that's a real. If you've been a student in England, you've heard of with nail and I kind of thing. It's one of those things that's always bandied about, right. oh, or yeah. was when I was a student. Maybe it's like a, a a cyclical kind of thing of like, oh, they're talking about something else now. But oh no, I think it's in, still there. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but for sure, if you were eighteen, an eighteen-year-old student in two thousand and five. You would have been. Uh, you would have had Whitnail now. I poured in your ears, pretty much. <laughs> well, yeah. Much like Whitnail mm-hmm. goes on holiday by mistake, we've we've somehow become podcasters by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I sympathise with him. But uh, I suppose uh, we probably should, you know, wander back to the minute at some point. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, as uh, someone who sat through too too many Hellraiser movies. This shot of uh, Fornicus with him in the shadows just standing silently, this is actually like creepier than any shot of Pinhead. Totally. In, in any of the It's the first one, at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, not even the first, because the first one, like, they're very much to come out. And again, like, I'm a less is more. Well, it's weird. I'm Sometimes I'm like, oh, I want something goes crazy. Like the end of this movie, when things just go, shit hits the fan. And everything blows up. That's the best mm-hmm. part of the movie. But it's also a lot of, a big part of me is like, no, less is more. Which is why I think the hell, the first Hellraiser is the best because the Cenobites are in it for maybe about three minutes. It's not about them. It's a whole, you know, it's mm-hmm. a whole story of you know about other things, and then they're featured players who dander in to sort of take care of things. And um, yeah, the Pinhead doesn't get many lines in the first one. He's very much like he's a side character, and uh, should have been played more that way because later in the later movies when he's talking. And it's all just like, oh, pain is an exquisite pleasure of the flesh, and the flesh 
There's the sting of a tear on your cheek, which is the ultimate. And it just <laughs> fuck. It goes on about shit for fucking. Get on with it. What's the fourth one? It's like ten minutes of him just dicking about, chatting about random shit. It's like, dude, get the fuck. And then Fornic is here, just standing and staring at her. Is way creepier than than anything mm. Benhead does in any of the other beyond the and first one. And I think one. you get all of that without him saying a word. He is arresting. You know, you just get pulled into that face, mm. and then as she's as Dana is staring at him and staring at the orb which is his box she's connecting all the dots and he is just looking at her and i do find it to be both scary as fuck and kind of <laughs> sexy you know i think he just looks really intense <laughs> and to have somebody look at okay. you and see you you know that's what they say is like we all just want to be heard and we all just want to be seen like to me Maybe not this seeing way. Her. <laughs> and it's Boy. pretty intense and they're also using the lighting of uh, the light goes around these boxes i think here in the most clever and interesting you know it, it looks really beautiful you understand why both of their faces are lit up because there's this blue light that goes around the edge and mm. yeah I, I love this i mean i remember just being mesmerized by this and i i really have no problem just re-watching the way he's standing there not moving and his eyes are just sort of flitting around as she takes him in as oh i like it mm. one thing um uh i will say as well is this whole sequence reminds me of uh, a different movie, which is also like an extreme, extreme oh, horror movie, uh, Martyrs, which is like a fr French film, very, very difficult film to sit through. I can't watch and it. That, that's got a similar setup in that, like at the beginning, you know, there's people in a nice, it appears to be a suburban normal house. And then a bunch of stuff happens, uh, not to spoil it, you know, spoil anything about Martyrs, but eventually when characters go down into the basement of this house, it turns out underneath it is like a labyrinth style, very sterile torture chamber, basically, with a whole bunch of weird, crazy crap going on. And there's weird like body modification things of like they find people with things nailed into their heads and stuff. It's a real it's a horrible movie, guys. Like it's one of the most intense movies mm. I've ever seen. But the thing about that, that was a movie directed by a guy called uh, Pascal Logier. And he was actually, for a good long while, attached to remaking Hellraiser, which is one of the few ones yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'd watch his version, because I, I would be intrigued to see that. I, wouldn't, I don't think you need to go back into mm -hmm. the, the actual re remake the first movie and do that story again. I'm like, oh, Fra the Frank Cotton had the box. But, you know, that story's that's just like Sunset Beach featuring Cenobites. It's not really a great tale. But just him doing a Hellraiser mm. movie should totally still happen. But I think he's kind of given up the ghosts in terms of like he's trying for so long. And it's just too, it's like Edgar Wright with Ant-Man almost. Like just, <laughs> no, I can't. I can't gotcha. go back into that. I was, I was, I was <laughs> fighting that up little battle for too fucking long, man. But the thing is, because the, the appearance of Fornicus, though, like, you know, it appears very much like something you see in Martyrs in terms of like the, but I'm, I'm intrigued by like this buzzsaw thing. <laughs> <laughs> Is it going through his head or is he just like, is it like parts of a buzzsaw that he's only stuck in? Because again, with Pinhead is like, and they specifically talk about it in the book when the character that's supposed to be mm. Pinhead shows up, it's supposed to be long pins that pierce. It's a, it's an S&M thing. It's like some people do that. They like the, the uh, stick things through their skin and stuff. It's that's what's happening to him mm -hmm. is supposed to be an extreme version of that. And, uh, but this just looks like, no, whatever he's done here would kill you. Like, there's no, if this is a buzzsaw that's gone straight through his head, I don't know how there was any S&M in that beyond, I'm going to fucking try to chop your head off, you know, kids. Yeah, it's, maybe it's, it's like where those saws are placed are like activating like pain and pleasure mm. parts of the brain or something. I was thinking he was just faking it. Mm. Just cut the, cut the, mm. the saws in half and glued them on so it looks scary. <laughs> but look how terrifying I am. Yeah, like, check this out. <laughs> Look how badass I am. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention is that when we see him on the whiteboard, like you guys said, we don't hear him being called Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain, but he's just simply on the whiteboard as Hell Lord. And he's actually who Sitterson 
bets on. Oh, maybe he's he sat through all those Hellraiser sequels and like, I'm primed for more. <laughs> I'm really hoping. That they <laughs> I really love his affect here. I really feel like and obviously like the the buzz saws in the head are unsettling. And as somebody who put this on and, and really look at it, if I was in you know these kids shoes, be like, it's frightening. But at the same time, I really think he has a very calm good bedside manner like he has a very like he really is very accepting <laughs> and really holds saying. her space well <laughs> this moment you know because like you're right like she flips out and he just and he just <laughs> takes it he's just calmly like i accept your frustration in this moment he just really you know and it's interesting because he's the most human of these characters that pop up in this elevator you know, magic cube scene. I mean, and we'll see it a little bit later that there's a, a shift of all of these. You know, I mean, they're referred to as creatures and he's very human, you know, even more so to me than uh, the Gentata yeah. fairy because he has, you know, like a human face. And I mean, he's obviously like crazy, but he's the most human one. And she's actually having like a human exchange with him, not only because she's connecting the dots, but he's just like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm here with mm. you, girl. I feel you. This is a frustrating moment. And he's just... <laughs> he's very respectful, uh, evil entity. Yes, okay. He's just doing a hell of a job of just being like a good therapist and holding space for her. One thing I will say as well, and co to compare him to, again, to Pinhead, the guy is, is ripped. Yeah. Like, he's really, like, quite impressively muscular. <laughs> Considering if you ever see Pinhead, mm -hmm. and particularly Doug Bradley, the guy who plays him, Doug Bradley, even back in 1987, was like a little dweeby English thespian. Mm. Like, it wasn't much... <laughs> wasn't much intimidating about him and then like you see this guy like he looks like he could like fucking snap pinhead in two without thinking about it like he's mm -hmm. you wonder like fornic has, has he been because he's been trapped in this box for so long has he just been totally. doing like scrunches in the corner and like just trying to pass the time <laughs> any way that he can so I guess uh, you know if you're in the kind of uh, pleasure and pain principle you might be like oh extreme exercise that's quite painful but if you're into that you're like oh no i'm getting off of it as well so maybe that's why so uh, Makes yeah. perfect sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, I love the black eyes too. Yeah. Like the black eyes, you just you re you see her reflection in his eyes a bit, and it, it and he's got quite a nice squared off jawline, and yeah, really yeah. super. Effective. You're di you're digging then, this guy. <laughs> yeah, like I'm digging him. I thought I was mer, you know, <laughs> merman. Uh... <laughs> I imagine like. <laughs> Heidi's husband the night coming in and find like these little bits of buzzsaw she's cut up. That is like, a good one. Smoothies on your face for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, honey, do you know where you put that Hellraiser box oh thing? Oh my god! Have? I wonder if you could just stand in the closet, just holding it for a while, staring at me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and then as Dana figures it out, she starts to get, yeah, she starts to lose it and she's banging against the glass and she's realizing that they've been played with and manipulated and that they've chosen what they're going to be. It's actually like a real, it's a very affecting little couple of moments because it's, it's like a real bummer for us to end the week on. I know. Because when she's freaking out. And the music kicks in, which is weird now because it's, it's the main theme of the movie. But right. I, but I heard it pop up with like, oh, the theme problem. music to Cabin Minute cast. Yeah, it actually ends in a very like, oh, this is actually you know, dark, dark things are afoot. It's a, you know, it's good. It's a well shot, well executed scene of her little freak out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we just get a tease. Then we just start as the minute ends here and she's she's banging again. Her blood, bloody hands are kind of making marks. You're getting a, a pullback and you're just starting to see what other creatures are surrounding her. So, mm -hmm. Getting your intro to uh, oh, the cabin yes. version of Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. I was going to ask you originally, now it works even wow. better with what you've just said, Niall, because I was going to ask, do you think it would work better if these monsters and whatnot were like actual licensed ones from films and stuff? Because I thought that'd be pretty cool, and now I want them to be because I want them in the squares. They have to be real licensed monsters mm. in them squares. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, cause it, like that—that that would be cool. But one thing that's really rubbed me up the wrong way mm. that's coming out in the bits, and I saw the trailer mm. for it before Black Panther. Is this uh, Ready Player One? Oh, yeah, and it's just like 
because you know we're, mm. we've been a, in a period of like extreme 80s nostalgia for quite a while now and it's uh even seeing that mm-hmm. like freddy krueger is, po- is hopping around in that trailer and stuff it's kind of getting to a point like <laughs> and it's weird because it's spielberg but it's just like i don't want to see this man i don't i'm, I'm done with 80s nostalgia much, yeah. like i love that stuff but like too much it's too much now I can't take this anymore. Yeah. And people, yeah. all the people are like, oh, you see the, the Iron Giants in the trailer and Harley Quinn and mm. stuff. It's like, they have their place. Like, keep them where they're supposed to be kept. Like, you know, the Iron Giants, great movie. Just keep it in this movie. Like, that's what it just needs to be there. And a, a CGI mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger jumping at some sci-fi kid isn't a thing I particularly want to see. But, yeah. That We've <laughs> reached saturation yeah. point for that yeah. 80s nostalgia, I think, is, yeah. Yeah. And they've moved on to the 90s now. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Just just this week weekend that everything sucks dropped on Netflix and that's like it's like it's like freaks and geeks for the nineties. <laughs> you watch the trailer Sadly, and like, I do. Oh, remember oh. dial up? It's like yes, <laughs> I remember dial up. <laughs> but it's just like I can't I can't uh, remember anything more. Like I yeah, I remember things in the nineties and like a couple of years I'll be like remember in the early two thousands when justin timberlake cut his hair. I <laughs> know <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Well, maybe it's perhaps a time to. Yeah decide if we have anything particular about the movie in general or this minute does anybody have any more comments here no uh no i just uh i just want to remember when i saw the movie i was i was one of the unfortunate souls that was assaulted with the trailer mm. before seeing the film and it was not by choice like i was in the was seeing something else and they put on the trailer for cabin <laughs> in the woods and it gave away the whole twist of it and i was just like oh i wish i hadn't mm. even w- watching the trailer i was like you shouldn't have shown that and then going to the film, I went to see it with a, like a now ex-girlfriend of mine. And she loved it. And I thought it was pretty good. But I was also the entire time I had this like, I wish I didn't uh, know what this was going into it. Because she didn't know. And I think that's why she liked it so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so the, the film's, one of its major legacy points to me is just the 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 lesson in uh, giving away far too much in the marketing, which I know yeah. you guys have talked about before, but like mm-hmm. it, it is a thing that should forever mm-hmm. be like, don't show yeah. shit like that because that would have been so, so such a, such a sweet thing to discover in the cinema, but oh well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think it would have been better to, to have had a little bit more of that, you know, shock going in. And, and I remember when Blair Witch came out, I went and saw it without knowing anything about it. And, you know, I knew enough that it was, it uh. wasn't, I mean, it did fool people. I knew certain people who were like, Oh dude, it's a documentary. It has a plot. Come on now. But you know, going in dry like that is, is amazing. And to have that experience without having any preconceived notions of context of, of what, what's coming, you know, is, is definitely a, a better ride. And I could see that it would have been a better mm. ride for this movie. That's actually, cause I know you guys as of recording, the previous week that just aired was the uh, Chris Hemsworth's unfortunate dirtbag attempt. And I think like that shot of that eagle shouldn't be in the movie at all because I think you were even saying, Heidi, like you knew the whole, the whole buildup. Oh, there's a thing there that he's going to crash into. If you didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. it, if you, if that just came out of nowhere, it would have been an even better shock. But the fact that they showed you that eagle, which was the same thing that gave it all away in the trailers. I think that scene would have been even better. But unfortunately, yeah, that whoever shot, you know, thought like, oh, should put a scene of an eagle flying into the thing. No, you should never. That scene should never have existed. It ruined everything. Ruined the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. So actually, speaking of Blair Witch, it, it kind of rolls into my recommendation. So do you guys mind if we move Let's on over it. to that category? category is recommendation so i was just gonna throw out this one because it's kind of a partial recommendation really so way back in the beginnings of us doing this podcast i mentioned that i saw a trailer come up for a film that hadn't yet had a place to be released and it was still being shopped around but it did have a trailer and that was a british film called ritual and yeah, so now it, it, it's come out on Netflix and I thought, oh my gosh, well, I kind of feel like I got to watch this now. And I did find it pretty good. So my recommendation is like, yeah, sure. Check it out. You know, I, I liked it, uh, but it did. I, I did kind of think now, what was it? What would have made it a little bit better for me? And I think even though found footage, you know, is mm-hmm. kind of a played out mm-hmm. medium, I do 
feel like a found footage style of filming this movie would have made it a little bit better because I, I felt like it's a little bit funny. It's a lot scary and it was enjoyable, but I never felt immersed in it. I always felt like I mm. am watching a movie. I am watching guys go through this experience. I felt like maybe handheld style, uh, found footage style would have maybe added to that claustrophobic, you know, without it being maybe too shaky where you're getting seasick while you're watching it. But it does have some it does have some interesting creature design. And I <laughs> felt like the story moved along at a at a decent clip. Acting was was, you know, fine and and some good characters. But then, yeah, there was also they come across this is not a spoiler, but at, the, at a certain point they do come across a person. That person, I just thought her hair looks it's not so much that it looks like a wig, but it maybe it is a wig, but it just <laughs> looks like a, a looks oh, I'm a fan of good wigs, though. Like if you can tell it's a wig. I like that, though, because I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm watching a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, I feel like there were just a couple of things that kind of mm. kept me <laughs> always feeling like I was watching a movie instead of being immersed with these guys as they travel through the, this forest and, and experience what they experience. And and I also felt like it was it scared me at points, but I was never like, oh, my God, you know, whereas I definitely remember Blair Witch, you know, even, you know, going going to see Blair Witch in the theater when it came out and really having that you know feeling that was really exciting so I was kind of wishing wishing for a bit more Blair Witchiness this, this is very amusing for me because I know John's <laughs> impassioned hatred for the Blair Witch Project yes I, I am not a fan I'm not a fan Hilarious. to be honest though I can't remember the last time I actually watched it let me Oh my God, it was a long, 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 long time ago. So maybe my opinions would change. Long time. Wrong show. Yes. Long time. <laughs> maybe now I would like it a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but I think it was just the whole, I think maybe the, the marketing and as you said, some people insisting, oh, it, it's like real. It's like, no, it's not. Don't be stupid. It's clearly not bloody real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely feel mm -hmm. like context has a lot to do with it and i and i remember the marketing and it was kind of one of the early internet marketing yeah. things that was being experimented with so i remember thinking oh that's interesting you know but it didn't i never thought it was real but it did i think make for in more a little bit more intriguing marketing that they had things that were you know making it it was just interesting but yeah yeah so, John, what is it you'd like to recommend then? Something that you really mm, like? Well, where do you start with that? That's an open question, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was trying to think of anything because obviously I'm aware that you, <laughs> you have recommendations on the show. And everything I could come up with was basically things that you've either mentioned or people would be like, well, yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> um, so I thought I was trying to think of thematically like something something a bit dark, maybe. <laughs> Batman at 89. I was really hoping you're going to be like, <laughs> so I'm going to recommend Batman at 89. Number one, <laughs> Just movies by Minute podcast. Um, <laughs> it, it is not. Um, but yes, do check that out. Uh, no, thematically, I was thinking, oh, well, what's something dark that I've been enjoying lately to go with the, the kind of horror theme? And the only thing I could think was uh, lately I've been listening to a musician from Los Angeles called... Well, they call themselves a Drab Majesty. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a kind of post-punk, uh, synthy, mm. goth kind of a uh, thing. They actually call themselves, quite pretentiously, Tragic Wave. <laughs> but I love it. It's really mm. dark nice. and uh, 80s goth kind of sound. Not, not like metal or anything, but all synths and electronic kind of music. So I've been, I've been listening to a lot of that lately. Uh, there's a new there's a new album out. I can't actually remember what the what the title is, but just look it up. Drab Majesty. Cool. I thought that was very cool, very dark, and um, excellent. I'm trying to think of anything else I've been enjoying lately. On mm. the complete flip side of that, com you, you couldn't get more different. It's a big show, so I'm sure people have heard of it. But I've been I've been watching only just lately. I've been getting into uh, Maria Bamford's Lady Dynamite. Oh yes, so um, amazing. So <laughs> it's so strange and as someone who has mental health problems myself i i am really digging this <laughs> because she she's bipolar and there's all kinds of things about that in it. It, it there's one episode where she literally splits into two people i just <laughs> so i i i'm really liking that and it's 
it's <laughs> it's like advertised on Netflix, but I don't know a lot of people who've seen it. So um, may, maybe the listeners also haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't know. No, so do I, check it out. I appreciate that because I feel, yeah, like sometimes I don't recommend things because I feel like a lot of people know about it. But just because people I'm around know about it don't doesn't mean anybody else has. And yeah, mm. I like I'm a huge Maria Bamford fan, but and and a lot of you know there's some a lot of uh, some of our favorite podcasters and other comedians that have been on that. So to me, it's kind mm. of like been in a in a world I'm familiar with, but it's so clever and weird and wonderful. Yeah, I mean you're like forced to go if if you're willing, you're forced to go <laughs> into this surreal, wonderful, weird, and crazy yeah. ride with her, and I love it. Yeah. And I think it would actually benefit from a second viewing. I'm, I'm going to go back and watch it again. I think it'll be even better second time through because you'll you'll mm. fully understand the the attitude and the humor and whatnot. Because at first you're like, "This is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on?" <laughs> the only thing I like I found disappointing when Lady uh, Lady Dynamite was because I assumed for ages that Werner Herzog was voicing the dog, <laughs> and then I found out that it wasn't. Oh, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, it would have been so much better if it was him." But unfortunately, it's not. So <laughs> yeah, Niall, what about you? What would you like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, I'll I'll go for one. Also a sitcom. But uh, it's one that I think it's it's doing okay in the U.S. because it's just finished its fourth season. But in the U.K., it's on at like death o'clock, like two a.m. and stuff. <laughs> but it's it's a show I've really enjoyed called "You're the Worst," which is mm. it's, it's marketed as a kind of anti rom com thing because basically the pitch is that the the two main characters are horrible, horrible people, and they shouldn't be together. Yet they somehow end up becoming a couple and then you end up becoming very invested in their relationship despite the fact that they're very selfish very <laughs> like very blue as some people would say and um <laughs> it's one of these shows like yeah it's it sort of it sort of gestates in just how awful they are but yet through that you find like a sweetness to it and you end up really really caring about their characters like it's got a uh, it's kind of like it's an ensemble piece of four main leads but the two so the ones in the couple is a guy, uh, English actor, uh, Chris Gear, who Heidi, you, I know, I don't know, too, Molly, if you listen to How Did This Get Made as well, but uh, Chris mm, Gear right, was the guy who was right. on the Miami <laughs> Connections uh, episode of How Did This Get Made. Yeah, he's like an egotistical writer. And then uh, the actual, the, the the MVP of the whole show is uh, the, the female lead, uh, Aya Cash, you call her. And she's fantastic because she's one of these actresses, like, so, such a good sense of timing and, the actual performance is like this little facial expression she'll do that you actually laugh so hard at you have to go back and rewind the scene just to see what you did and stuff. And uh, mm. it's one, of, yeah, it's one of these sort of pitches of like, like they meet, the, uh, they they meet, they're aware that they're both horrible and that people keep saying, "Oh no, you don't want to get <laughs> together with him. He's the worst." That's the name of the show. And mm. eventually, they uh, they kind of end up just like going off and having them random. Just kind of fucking and just dicking about and stuff. It keeps saying we're not going to get into a relationship, and then eventually the ties start forming. But uh, and it's very, it's, <laughs> it can be like very cartoonish at times. But then it does things like in season two, there's a major arc about clinical depression that's played very artfully and very very well. Mm. As Aya Cash again, she gets the her character is revealed to be clinically depressed, and it very very sensitively touches on the subject and i remember when it was airing people were like this is fucking incredible like how sensitively this very broad sitcom is dealing with this subject matter and uh yeah it's just uh finished season four i think they're getting in they're doing a fifth and final season and uh that'll be airing sometime next year but mm. uh, hi like it's a show like I, I see people on the internet talking about but no one else i know seems to be watching it <laughs> which is unfortunate because it's great, so. Well, I'm glad you're shining a line, a light on it. Because yeah, it's one of those I've heard about, but I haven't haven't gotten a chance to. It sounds fantastic. Mm. And also, mm -hmm. uh, I, I will just mention a, a brief secondary plug of uh, I just finished yeah. a series of comic books that is an ongoing thing called Giant Days by a guy called John Allison, mm. and uh, I only came across it recently because my brother got me Volume One for Christmas, and even as he gave mm. it to me. Much like I said to John, when I got, I got John Volume 1 of Preacher like for his birthday one year, and I was like, oh, cool. the only thing about this is that if you like it, you're going to have to spend money and buying all the rest of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, like that. Like, he got me that Christmas day, and there's like seven volumes. 
I got volume <laughs> oh, one, right. and I had to buy the other six because I got so hooked instantly. <laughs> yeah, and of course, I'm, 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 I'm up to date. But uh, yeah, Giant Days, it's about three girls at university in England. And it's, I don't know, there's something very, very charming about it. Maybe it's just me because I went to university in England. And I can kind of look, I can look at these characters and like, I know these people. I know girls like that. I've seen, mm-hmm. there's like the perky goth girl. And then there's the one who's like the medical student who's just like constantly chain smoking and doesn't live a healthy li- lifestyle, even though she's supposed to be a medical, <laughs> medical student. And like the one who's way, way fastidious and studying way too much. I think I might have even dated one of those and like that, that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, everything about it is uh, very recognizable humor. But it's done in an almost sort of like not quite as zany as Scott Pilgrim, but in that kind of fashion. And uh, oh, cool! Yeah, and the artwork mm-hmm. uh, very simple and very cartoony, but brilliant as well. Again, much like I was saying about Aya Cash's like some of her expressions and and her acting, just like the way they'll draw a character's reaction in this will have you sitting just looking at going like, oh, that's, that's fantastic! That's so well done. So uh, yeah, uh, I've only come across it in the past two months, but I highly recommend Giant Days by John Allison, which is currently still ongoing. So uh, mm. one out every month, pretty much. So highly recommend. Awesome. Thank nice. you so much. All right, Molly, you get to round us out. Okay. So I actually had kind of two in mind, but I think uh, <laughs> this is something that I just, I, I really, really love it. I love Vanity Fair magazine and I've had a subscription for years. I know it sounds like ridiculous, but there's something about, you know, I really, I just, I really like print still, you know, and I feel like we're, we're moving to digital in so many ways. I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day who said that they got rid of all their books and everything's on Kindle for them. And I was like, ah, man, but I really, I really like the physicality of a book or a magazine. And what I really love about Vanity Fair is that it's all of it is this stimulating guilty pleasure for me. So it has elements of, it's a little trashy in that they'll do kind of an expose on some very highly affluent individual who's redone some sort of newly acquired castle in the middle of, you know, Northern England where, you know, they, you know, kind of like the, the Downton Abbey kind of thing and, you know, given it new life. And so you're, you know, it's completely captivating, but then there's also these amazing in-depth like political articles that are just really amazing and informative actually. And there's still, and then there's humor in it. And then there's the, the questionnaire in the back. They, they're doing interviews with, you know, Hollywood and artists and, and there's always something. And then there's, you know, promotion of like entertainment industry stuff. So if there's like, you know, like Star Wars is coming out, that's going to be on the cover or, you know, so there's there's a mix of of geekery in it still and, and Hollywood and old money and, and liberal politics and, and all of it just like has always pleased me. Yeah, just just beautiful photography. So all of it just is, you know, on the back of the toilet to be able to read, but also just on a Sunday afternoon after brunch, being able to spend a couple of hours just just thumbing through is just a it's a real pleasure for me. So I think if you're interested in any of that, that tickles your fancy, so to speak. I think it's well worthwhile to to get yourself a subscription and and have the joy of getting something in the mail because we don't really get mail that much either. And so that's like a it's like a little gift that comes through still because again, everything's like super digital. We don't send each other cards really and you know letters like we did, you know, even a decade ago. So Yeah, if I get mail, I get annoyed. I'm like, what why is this going? That's so different to the old days when you were younger, you know, you'd get mail. It's like exciting. Like, oh, what's this? And now it's like, <laughs> oh, God, I, I get worried because uh, like, because particularly because I'm self-employed, I keep thinking it's going to be something from like the tax office or something like that. Cause it, it's, like, if it's not from Amazon, then who the fuck is trying to get in contact with me? It's like an unidentified <laughs> phone number. It's kind of like, well, I know everybody's numbers. Who's going to be calling me that I don't know? It can't be about anything good. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a great recommendation, Molly. I definitely, um, I concur. And even though I don't have a subscription, there's the place that I go get my hair done. They're really great. And they actually save magazines for me because they subscribe to everything under the sun. And so I hand pick some of my favorites and they're great for doing collages and so the pho- photography so beautiful, like you mentioned, and all that stuff. So I get that added bonus of good visual, fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. well, cool. Well, I think we're uh, topping out here, getting closer to the hour mark at every moment and minute here. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> so uh, I think it's time to wrap it up. 
Um, thanks again, guys. It was just absolutely fantastic to have you join us for these minutes and bring your insights and and knowledge and all that. All your wonderful tangents are always appreciated. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure to be here. So Yeah. And so just one last time, where can everybody find you and feel free to share any any uh yeah. Batman at 89 related or anything else related you want to bid everyone adieu well wherever the downtrodden need help (laughs) Batman it will be there (laughs) just just call for us and we will come running Um, and in the meantime though if you don't need any help if you just want to listen to the show you can find it where you can find all great podcasts not bad podcasts we're only available where the good ones are (laughs) and we are on Facebook you can join the Batman 89 Listener Society, the unimaginatively titled secret group. Good stuff. And yes, you can find us there with the cleverly titled by someone else besides us, the Gabin in the Woods <laughs> with the Cabin Minute Cast <laughs> Facebook group. And uh, everywhere else, just look for Cabin Minute cast so i wanted to to thank john and niall for uh coming on and just being delightful you guys have one of my most favorite movies by minute podcasts honestly like you're just a pleasure to listen to and a pleasure to just like no you are you're just like wonderfully polite and a delight to podcast with so i really appreciate you guys coming on oh and um yeah No, it means a lot. Thanks yeah absolutely well we can recommend too to the fans of cabin minute cast that both you and heidi (laughs) Have been on that minute as well. So, like, if you if the people are like, oh, I don't like the sound of these guys. At least there's at least two weeks <laughs> to <will> enjoy. <laughs> these two ladies are there. Yeah. So. I would wager that people, if they come and check it out, they will very much enjoy it. So, yeah, you you make it a delight. So, thank you guys for coming on, and thank you guys for showing up, listeners, on this fine Friday. And we will see you back at the cabin. <laughs> <laughs>